Well, good morning, Rocky Peak. How are you? Doing all right? Can you believe here we are in the Hearing God series? We are at week five. Like, this is like the halfway point. How's the, how's the journey been so far? Has it been good? I know like our life group has been having a lot of good conversations as we've been like just talking about how does this work in our story, what's God doing in our lives and sharing from one another so we can help each other grow but also learn maybe how God's working in that person's life is showing me something in my own story. It's been so good. And one of the things that I, I've thought about as we've been going through this is that sometimes learning to hear God, it, it, it's something that you have to learn to do. It's, it's almost like trying to like tune in like on an old school radio. Like remember when radios used to have dials, right? And you had to like try and spin it to try and bring in that, that frequency that you want to hear. Years ago, when I was going through college, I worked up at a camp up in central coastal California for two summers. And one of my jobs that I had at that camp was to drive this 600 gallon water truck out in the back 40 on the horse trails in the afternoon, just laying water down so that when the campers came throwing the horses, all the dust was muted. And, and I, I was just kind of like, you know, I'm like 18, 19 years old, and you're like, I, I, I don't have a hydro license. Like, are you, am I supposed to do this? And they're like, I don't worry about it. Like, the truck goes like a mile, so you'll be fine. So I'm like, okay. So I remember just jumping in this truck and getting behind the big wheel and looking, and it's just like this AM radio. And so I just turn it on, and it's all the static, and I just kind of spin the dial, and then I began to pick up a station, and it was really, like, I enjoyed the music. It was like what I call my grandparents' music. It was like Billie Holiday and Glenn Miller and stuff like that, and I'm like, oh, this is, like, really good music, and, you know, but, like, over the course of the summer, like, I can only hear, like, In the Mood so many times, and so I'm like, okay, like, is there, is there a thing? So I just remember, like, like, dialing it in one day, and as I'm turning the knob, like, like, I just hear through the static, through the frequencies, all of a sudden I hear this, like, this voice coming through. And it's like this, this twangy voice. And I'm like, oh, this, this is country music. And, you know, like growing up like as a beach kid, like I wasn't really into country music. Like country music to me was like you're hiding your beer from your wife or you're shooting your dog because it drank all your beer. Like that's all country music was to me. And, and yeah, as I'm tuning in, I like this voice comes through and I just hear this cowboy singing and like it just, it starts to connect with me because he's talking about how he showed up to a party and he wasn't supposed to be there. And, and he's just saying like, hey, blame it all on my roots, you know, like. I showed up in boots, I ruined your black tie affair, the last one to know, the last one to show, the last one you you thought you'd see there. And and, and he just starts talking about how he has like friends in low places and I'm like, I feel like I'm a friend in low, like like for the first time in my life, country music made sense. I'm I'm in this big wheel, this truck in the back 40. And as I just dialed in, like this, 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 this message is coming through and it just connects with me and it makes sense and and I, what I wonder is like so much if, if like learning to hear God is so much like that. I'm not saying you have to like country music. I'm just saying like, like that idea, like, like as, you're, as you're positioning yourself, posturing yourself, tuning that dial, learning to hear how he wants to speak. And, and as we're in this series, like is it possible that there are different ways that God wants to speak to us? Now let me be very clear. One source, right? Like we're told there's only one name given to men under heaven by which we must be saved and his name is Jesus. And so Jesus is who we follow. But as we step into life with Jesus, is it possible that God wants to speak to us? And there's a variety of ways that maybe he will communicate. And so we're learning to tune that radio to hear his voice, to get into his frequency. And so today as we continue in this series of Hearing God, like I just want to like recap where we've been. And so some of the things that we've been uncovering and discussing has just been really amazing. One of the cool things like right out of the gate is God speaks Like, he's not a distant God. He's not an aloof God. He's not just like, hey, good luck, figure it out. 
And God is speaking, so are we learning to listen and tune our hearts and our lives to what he wants to say? And, and what, some things that we've been seeing is like, hey, are, are we actually trying to be the kind of person to whom God would speak? Like, are we willing to hear what he wants to say and bring our lives into alignment with him? Or we just want to hear what he has to say so we can make our lives look better, right? So, like, are we re- really re- willing to respond to that? And so last week, we stepped into a part of our series where we're really beginning to unpack the different ways that God will speak to us. And so last week, if you are here, Dre introduced, like, hey, the primary way that God has spoken is through his word, through the scriptures. And so we unpacked what this was. And, and as you look at the scriptures, like we read in 1 Timothy 3.16, Paul's writing, and Paul just says this very powerful thing. He says that all scripture is God-breathed. Meaning that when, when the things were written and recorded throughout the centuries, God was actively involved in the process so that what was captured was God's heart, God's mind, God's thought, God's intent. And it was given to a specific people at a specific time, but it's for all people as we learn to discern and hear God's voice speaking through his scriptures. And so this is the primary way. Everything we build is off of this foundation. But it's also this beautiful thing that the spirit of God is at work in our lives as we step into life with Jesus and guiding us into all truth, which, which means that there's times where the spirit will illuminate God's words to us as we're studying them and learning from them. Like, like reading scripture isn't just some static thing. Like it's alive and active as God's at work in our story. This is why you can come to a passage of scripture that maybe is meaningful, but 10 years later you come back to it and God's bringing something new into the story for you with what he's doing because he's working through it. And so we, we laid this foundation last week that this is the primary way that God speaks to us as his spirit's at work. And so as we continue... Today, what we're going to do as we continue chasing this, we're going to focus in on other ways that God speaks to us beyond just the scriptures. Now, even as I say that phrase, we're like, whoa, this sounds like we can get squishy fast. Like this could get fuzzy and funky if we're not careful. And yes, we can. This is why we have cults. This is why we have crazies in the world. This is why we need to make sure that we're, we're, we're doing this well. Otherwise, we could fall into the mistakes of, of mishearing or misinterpreting or misapplying whatever we think God is doing. We also have to be on guard because there's demonic deception in this world. And so we want to make sure that we don't fall into that, that these counterfeits are real. And so how do we make sure that we safeguard ourselves as we seek to tune the radio to hear what God wants to say in our life and in our story? And so before we jump into unpacking some of these ways that God might speak to us, I want to just walk us through what I'm just calling a guiding principle to help make sure that we can weigh and balance this to to hear God clearly in our lives. And and so the premise of this is, hey, if we're here and we've identified ourselves as Christian, as as belonging to Jesus, that means that we follow him. Do do you understand that's kind of the fundamental premise of being a Christian? (laughs) Like, Jesus, where you go, I follow. What you say, I agree. I, like, I bring my life into alignment with you. So if we're going to do, learn to do this well, we need to bring ourselves to him, and we need to look to him and learn from him as we go through life. But we also need to recognize that what we know about Jesus comes from the scriptures. And so you can't follow Jesus and separate him from scripture. You can't make Jesus in your image and put your words in his mouth and say, now I'm following him. No, because Jesus is defined for us through the scriptures. These have to go hand in hand. And so these are kind of like these guardrails that give us our guideline. And so here's a guideline or a guiding principle to help us learn how to hear God's voice and safeguard us as we go after this. Jesus is our model and scripture is our measure. 
So if we're going to talk about learning to hear God's voice, we always have to bring it back to Jesus and to Scripture and say, God, does this line up with what you have shown us? And Jesus, does this line up with who you are? And so Jesus shows us this, the importance of, of bringing life to the measurement of Scripture. And we see this in the story of when he was tempted. So if you were a part of life groups this last week and you do life group study, you know that we, one of the things that we studied was looking at the time that he was tempted in Matthew chapter 4. And when you look at that story, we see that Jesus was being guided by the Spirit to go out into the wilderness where he was fasting for 40 days. And in that time, then, the enemy, Satan, comes to him to tempt him. It's amazing. If you understand what's going on in that moment, Jesus is facing the test in the wilderness, hungry, that we failed, our first parents failed in the garden. Jesus is like, I'll pass the test so I can do something on your behalf that you failed as a race. So this is a powerful moment, what we see going on here. But when Jesus is being tempted, three different times he's tempted, do you remember what his response was every single time? It is written. It's how he would combat the lie that Satan threw at him. Because Jesus understood that the scriptures were his father's words, which means that they had weight and authority. And so he brought them into that moment because they were a guide for him on how he was going to live life and pursue his father. And we also see in the scriptures that Jesus was consistently turning to the Father for guidance and direction in his own life. And so an example of this is there in your message notes, John 12, 49. Jesus says these words. He says, for I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. Okay, don't miss the significance of what Jesus is saying there. Jesus is not coming and saying, hey, I'm just like one of the many gurus who maybe has some insight. Jesus is saying, everything I'm telling you has come directly from the Father, which is why these words matter and they have weight, because look at what he says next about God's words, his Father's words. He goes, I know that his command leads to what? Eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. And so I I love this as we look to Jesus as our model and scripture as our, our measure, that Because Jesus knew God's words, he was able to discern his father's voice and follow his leading. So as we seek to follow after Jesus, we need to be willing to learn from him and ask him to lead us in learning to hear our father's voice. So let's just take a moment to pause before we jump in and invite him to come and do what only he can do in our lives. And so Jesus, we want to come in this moment and acknowledge who you are, that you are Lord that you say, follow me, which means we follow you. And we follow you because yours is the way, because you are the way. We follow you because yours is the truth, because you are the truth. We follow you because yours is the life, because you are the life. And so many times when you would teach Jesus, you would just say the simple phrase, to those who have ears, let them hear. And so today, would you give us the ears to hear the things that you want us to understand about the life you've come to give us as we learn to listen and follow as we seek to hear God's voice in our life where we come under your leadership to show us and teach us and guide us amen 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 so as we're jumping in I just I just want to like revisit this basic idea God speaks like how amazing is that 
And that we can actually learn to hear his voice in our life. The question is, are we willing to lean in and let him lead us and tune that radio and figure out what that looks like? And so we're going to look at this today. But before we jump in, I just I want to talk briefly about what I would describe as maybe the most commonly perceived way we would think that God might speak to us beyond scriptures. And that's just the voice. The voice of God speaking to us. And we see instances of this happening in scripture. So when Moses encounters God at the burning bush, God speaks with an audible voice to Moses. And so what I would just want to say to you about the voice is fairly simple. If that ever happens to you and you weigh and you measure against scripture and it's in alignment, go with it. If God chooses to speak to you in an audible voice, and I've had friends who've experienced that, and it's been either a, a statement or something that was encouraging or, or moving them in a direction, but here's what I just want to make sure that we understand about that. Even though we might think of that as the most commonly perceived way that we could see God speaking to us, I actually don't think that's the most common way God does speak to us. And the reason why is because God's not limited to an audible voice the way we are. So stop and think about it. Like, like for us to communicate right now, I have to do something that involves my vocal cords, that makes sounds that are in something that you can understand and grasp onto that hit your ears, and that's how we communicate. I'm limited by that. Or somehow my ability to speak doesn't come through to you. We're able to communicate through physical gestures. So I could tell you, hey, I love you by saying this, or I can say thank you by saying that. But somehow our communication isn't a physical medium because that's our limitation to communicate with each other. The cool thing is, God's not limited like that. Jesus tells us that God is spirit. And so as we step into life, God can put his spirit in us, which means that oftentimes the way that God speaks to us is almost like directly, like his spirit speaking to our spirit, and we don't need his voice. Doesn't mean he can't use his voice in that way. And we're gonna talk a lot more about this in the coming weeks, but I just wanna like touch that briefly because I think sometimes we feel bad, like, oh, God's never spoken to me because we're expecting the audible voice. And it's like, hey, he might, he might not. That's his prerogative. But actually, if we understand that God isn't limited like that in the way we are, he may actually have been speaking to us a lot more than we realize. We just didn't know how to identify that. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at some common ways God speaks more than words. And we're going to look at kind of two categories as we unpack this. One of the categories is this broad category, like ways that God speaks more than words internally and ways that God speaks more than words externally. But as we walk through this, what's the guideline? Does this line up? Jesus is our model and scripture as our measure. And that's the safeguard as we learn to dial in that radio and realize is this from God or is this country music so it's not from God, right? Like we just gotta like figure out that dynamic. So let's go into this first category, ways that God speaks internally. And here's, I think, one of the ways. Just, we're going to do two for each, not exhaustive, but just some categories. But I think one of the ways that God speaks to us internally is through our conscience. That sense of right and wrong that we walk with in life. And so when, when you look at the beginning story, like we see an unfolding in Genesis, we see like God's intention toward us in creation. Like that God did something incredible with this amongst all the creation that he did and, and that he created us in his image. We're told in the image of God, he made us and then he breathed his breath of life into us. And, and in so doing, we were meant to live our lives 
knowing him, in relationship with him. As we went through life, we would reflect the glory of God's image in us to the world around us. As we did life together, I would reflect God's image to you. You would reflect God's image to me. It was this beautiful world that we were meant to live in and be like his representatives and rule and reign in his name because we were made in his image. And yet you know that's not how it works because you know the people that you live with and work with and they don't reflect that image, do they? What about the person in the mirror? Not so much, right? And the reason why is because it went south when our first parents in the third chapter of Genesis didn't trust God and they bought the serpent's lie. And in that moment, something broke in us. And when that thing happened, we died. And so what that means is that we are no longer living in alignment with God. We're now living separated from God. And we're each going our own way in life trying to figure it out. And what's fascinating about this, like, this idea like how we're all trying to figure it out our own way, we're all playing a moral game. We just don't agree on the rules of the game anymore. Like, have you figured that out with people? Like, like we all draw lines about what we think is right and wrong. We just don't agree on where those lines are. Even people who say that morality doesn't exist, they still draw lines, but just violate them in some way, and you'll see how quickly you found their line, right? The people that don't draw lines are called sociopaths, and we put lines around them in a special pattern. Like, we, we remove them, because there's something wrong with them. And you look at our world that we're living in. So we talk about like, like you, you, this idea of cancel culture is a very popular phrase. We're looking like people don't line up with whatever like the, the popular view is of culture. And if you don't fit in, you're canceled because they've drawn a line. You didn't play the game our way. So the problem is we're all aware of the game. We just lost the rules to the game. We don't know how to play it. It's why in Isaiah, Isaiah 53, it describes us like we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has gone our own way. And we're lost on our own trying to figure it out. And the beautiful thing about God is he understands this about us and he promised to help us. And so we see this promise spoken in Isaiah, or Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27. And God's promise to his people that he would do something incredible to help. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Like what a beautiful hope. But God's like, hey, I know you've lost your own way, so I'm gonna move into the story and actually make it possible for you to live the life you were intended to live. And this is what Jesus promised to do. Like not only did he come to fulfill the promise of rescue that God made at the end of Genesis chapter three, not only did he come to pay the price for our sin and brokenness, to take that upon himself on the cross, to be the sacrifice that overcomes our death, not only did he defeat death itself so in him we could have new life, do you remember what Jesus promised he would do as we stepped in the life of him, who he would send? The Spirit of God who would come and guide us into all truth. And so as we step into new life with Jesus, God's spirit now is now at work in our lives, moving us into realignment with him. And I would imagine that if you've been walking with Jesus for any length of time, you've probably experienced this. But I wonder if you never really recognize that this is actually God perhaps speaking to you, his spirit working in you to align you with him. Some of you might have a, like a, a more like 
clear understanding of this, if you came into the faith story and the following of Jesus later in your life, like somehow Jesus made sense, so you gave your life to him, and then he began to work in your story, and then you look back on your life before, and you look at the way you used to live, and you're like, that was stupid, <laughs> right? Like, like the things I did, the things that I was caught up in, that was destructive to myself and the people around me. And you realize this now because God's speaking and he's aligning your heart with him. And yet that's not just true for those of you who come later in life. This is true for those of us who've been walking with God for any length of time. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but you are a piece of work. (laughs) And God is good to keep working in us. Like I've had to recognize this in myself. Like I didn't realize how selfish I was until I got married. Prior to that moment, I thought I was a catch. <laughs> and then, as soon as I began to like, share my life with Christy, God's like, hey, let's pull back some of the layers of the onion and show you some. And I think it's God's mercy that day one, he doesn't just unfold everything because we'd be undone. I think God's like, okay, you got that. Cool, lesson two. Because God's goal is to remake us in his image. And so there will be times that God will certainly, maybe there's something that you've experienced this, that God has given you a new desire in the relationships around you towards someone. Have you seriously paid attention to Jesus' teaching and realized how incredibly challenging, if not impossible, some of his teaching is? Love your enemies. Pray for those who curse you. Bless them and do not curse. Forgive as you have been forgiven. I don't know about you, but like, that feels all but impossible in my own life. So sure, when I think about the things that have been done, like my natural response when somebody wrongs me and hurts me is to pay you back, end you, or kick you out of my life. That's just my natural response. And God's like calling me, Jesus is calling me something else. I'm like, I, I don't know if I can do that, but if you trust him to work in your story, there's moments where God births this new thing, stirs something in you. I will let go of this. I will offer forgiveness and I discover a path of freedom I never knew. But that's him doing something new in your story. I remember years ago I was uh, sitting in a conference, uh, like, like a church kind of conference, and there was a pastor who was just teaching and he was just telling the story, this awkward story that happened with him, his son who was an adult now, but when his son was like a, a youth, a teenager, and they'd all gone to camp together at the church this guy was leading and halfway through the camp he gets a call from the leaders of the camp and They're like, hey, uh, this is really awkward, but we need you to come to camp and pick up your son because we're kicking him out of camp because he got in a fight with some of the other kids. And like, like, that's awkward already. But then when you're like the pastor of the church and it's like your kid getting kicked out of camp. And and so he just kind of like, as the story goes, like he just went to camp. He thanked the leaders. He's like, our family's not above reproach somehow because we're a pastor family. Like we need to be held accountable too. And so he finds his son, they pack up, and they go and put the stuff in the car, and he said, before we left, we just sat down, and we were just chatting, and he just, I was asking my son, like, like what happened? And he's like, well, Dad, they were just like, they were being punks, and they were frustrating me, and I just thought I would just make it end real fast by punching them, and you know, like, like deal with it, and he's like, okay, like, like, obviously, there's something going on here, and so he just created space in this conversation, and he asked his son this question, like, like son, before we leave, is there anything you think you should do? He just gave it a breath. And he said, his son said these words, Dad, I think before we leave, I need to go apologize to those kids and apologize to the leaders. He's like, son, why do you think that? And his son said, Dad, because I think that's what God wants me to do. And I love what he pointed out this moment. He leaned in with his son and he said, son, do not miss this moment. The God of the universe 
is whispering into the depths of your being what he desires from you in this moment. Will you listen and will you follow? And I think what an amazing thing that there are times where God will speak to us through a sense of what he wants us to do, the things he wants us to embrace. And, and our hope is that, God, I, I just want to enter into that with a trust that you will empower me to the things you want to call me to, but God, please keep speaking to me. Because one of the, the, the dangers of this for us if we're not careful, is that we can learn to mute God's voice in this way. Like we have this incredible capacity to violate our own conscience. And when we do that, what happens is we begin to do what the New Testament talks, we begin to quench the spirit and we can just turn the radio off or hit the mute button if we're not careful. I want you to catch, like Paul's talking about this idea there in your notes, um, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2, and he's, he's giving a warning about there will come a day where there will be people that will follow bad things because they're following bad teachers, and I want you to catch what he says about these teachers. And so in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2, Paul says this. He says, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars. And so just, just real quick, like when you think about a hypocrite, this is generally what we mean by a hypocrite. This is somebody who says one thing and does the other. But catch this, the way Paul's describing these teachers being hypocritical liars, they're claiming to be one thing. They're claiming to be people speaking on behalf of God, but they're giving a message that's not from God. So that's why he's saying they're hypocritical liars. But what's going on in these people's stories? Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. That somehow in their story, they stopped listening to what God was telling them and they shut it off. And it's kind of like, like a hot iron killing all the nerve endings and they don't have the ability to hear God. Like it's possible to lose the capacity to hear God through our conscience if we shut him off. It's kind of like breaking the antenna off the radio and all you're gonna get is static on the line. And we're gonna talk about like static near the back end of the talk, but here's where I think this is why repentance is not a religious word, it's a relational word. It's a beautiful word because what repentance means is I'm turning from that thing that's broken and I'm turning to the one who can restore the brokenness in my story. And so God, I, 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 I've lost hearing your voice, maybe there's some static online, so I just, I wanna turn from this thing that I've been caught up in and I wanna come back to you, would you fix the radio once more and begin to work in my life? And so that's just like one of the ways though that God might speak through your life is, through this beautiful thing called conscience. Here's another way that God might speak internally to us. It's through what I call oughtness. Now, I think I made this word up. I'm not sure. Somebody vouched for me after the service and said, like, no, it's a real word. Okay, I was like, cool. But here's what I mean by oughtness. Like, this is similar to conscience in that there's something being stirred in us, but it's far less about moral behavior as it is about being stirred toward doing something good that benefits others and pleases God. And so when I talk about oughtness, it's like almost like there's this weight in our life that you just feel like I'm supposed to move towards something and do something, and I'm trying to figure out like what that thing is or is that God or me? And I love how Paul frames this idea uh, in Galatians 6, 7 through 10 about how we can live to please ourselves or how we can live to please God. And when we get that right, then like opportunities show up in our life to do good things. And so Paul writes this, Galatians 6, 7 through 10, he says, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. 
So whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So then he says the outcome of this, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Like, like, what a beautiful picture that we can choose how we live our lives to like, please ourselves or, God, I want to please you. And as I get that right, as I sow my life to please the spirit at work in my story, like, like, there's this flow of goodness that comes out of my life. And it's just this beautiful picture. Let me ask you this. Have, have you ever known somebody so well, you knew how to put a smile on their face? Like you just, you understood them? I remember discovering this with my wife, Christy, back when we were first dating. I guess it was like circa 1999. And so we'd been going out a few times. And so I wanted to just show her like how much I was interested and how much I liked her. And so I made her a mixed CD. So depending on how old you are, you understand. Like some of you would know that as a mixtape. Some of you would know that as a playlist. I created a playlist on a physical object that I shared with her that she had to put in another physical object to listen to, right? <laughs> but on this, like, was just songs that were like, like, just made me smile, made me think of her. And so I remember, like, like this making our third, fourth date. I don't remember. And so as I was dropping her off, I, I gave her this, and the craziest thing happened. She jumped up and down with excitement, made this gleeful declaration of happiness, and spun in a circle. And I was like, "What just happened?" <laughs> But there was something in me that's like, God, if this is the one that you want to bring me into life with, I want to be able to make her smile like this our whole lives together. Like, I want to be like, now, I don't always get that right. Like, I've also made her cry. Like, cause, like <laughs> we're a people in progress, too. Um, but you know, like, we can learn to do that with God. Like, we can learn who he is and what he desires from us. As we look to the scriptures and we see what he wants and how he's made us to be, we can learn to live our lives to please him. We can sow to please the spirit. And as we do that, God begins to work in our life and in our story. And, and as we begin to get to know him, what will happen oftentimes is that God will stir something in us. He'll stir us towards something good he has for us that he wants us to be a part of. And again, I would imagine that for many of you, this has probably happened. Maybe you just didn't realize if this was God actually speaking in some way in your life. But like maybe like it's, it's gone like this. Like you're just going through your, your, your day, you're minding your own business, and suddenly someone comes to mind. And you, and you don't really know why they were brought to mind, but you're like, God, I, I, like, I think I should just pray for them. Or I'm going to reach out to them and, and give them a call and check in and see what they're doing. Or maybe you've just been awoken in the middle of the night, right? And it wasn't a scary thump or it wasn't the bladder. It was like something else was going on. And, <laughs> And, like, like, and in that moment, like, God just puts something in your heart. And you're like, God, like, I'm, I'm going to go to battle for my friend in this moment. I'm going to pray for them. Like, God's stirring something. Or, or maybe it's like an opportunity that God puts in front of you. And again, there's the stirring within you to move towards that, to do something good in that situation. So maybe it's that person out on the street and they're holding the sign and something stirs you that cuts through your cynicism towards them or you're wanting to blame the system to solve the problem and God just births some compassion in you and in this moment, in this instance, he's moving you to take care of this moment. Or maybe it's like we show a video about some opportunities to serve in Africa and you're sitting there and there's something in you that's stirring like, I think I'm supposed to be a part of this in some way. Have you ever experienced that? Here's the quandary we have when those moments happen. 
was that God or was that me? Right? And so we kind of get hung up on that. Like, was it because they played cool music on that video? <laughs> or is it because there was something stirring in me? And I, I think, honestly, we don't always know what to do with that. And so we're, we're left wrestling with that. Years ago, we were in a, a life group with some friends. And um, one of the things I really love about like, doing life with other people, even though like, I'm a deep introvert, I still trust that God's called me into a relationship. And then he always surprises me when I get over myself. It's amazing how he does that. <laughs> But like doing life with other people is so amazing because oftentimes you'll meet other people that are similar to you and so you can learn some things, but you meet people that are sometimes very different than you. And you see how God works in their story. So one of these friends in my life that we were in life group with years ago is my friend Luke. Luke is so opposite of me in so many ways, like personality, gregariousness, expression. So a lot of times I'll just try to live vicariously through Luke because he's one of those friends. And so I just remember this one time we were hanging out in life group, and this topic was kind of in our discussion, like learning to figure out was that God or not. And I remember Luke just finally just said in his frustration, he goes, I'm so sick and tired of not knowing if it's God. From now on, I'm just going to do it no matter what. If I sense that this is what God wants, I'm just going to go for it and do it. And I'm like, you are crazy. I can't wait to watch how this goes. (laughs) And then my wife, Christy, says, yeah, me too. And I'm like... (laughs) What are you talking about? Because like, like, uh, we're, we're the sensible, grounded, like what are you doing? And, and yet what's amazing is if you ask Christy, she'll say that that just experimentation, that trial and error taught her to discern and recognize the oughtness of God's voice, just her own, own gumption, right? Like, oh, like that, there's a weight to it that's from God. And so here's what I would just encourage you to do if you're in that place of wrestling in the quandary. Let me just give you a principle to apply when you're walking through this. It's always better to do good in a posture of faith than to do nothing in a posture of doubt. It's always better to do good in a posture of faith. God, I don't know if this is you or me, but I think it's a good thing, so I'm going to walk towards it. And if it wasn't God, I sincerely doubt he's going to be like, why would you have done that? (laughs) If it's a good thing, it's in line with him anyways. So it's always better to do good in a posture of faith than to do nothing in a posture of doubt. And then as we learn to do that, it's, guess what we're doing? We're just playing with the dial on the radio. God, I'm just trying to figure out if this is you working in my life, teaching me what your voice feels like. So these are a couple of ways about learning to discern God when God is speaking to us from within. But there are times when God is going to speak to us through what is going on around us. And again, it's learning then how to discern, God, is this your voice at work in my life? And so let's talk about a couple of ways that God speaks externally. And the first one is very simple. Others. I don't know if some of you are like, oh no, don't tell me it's my mom. (laughs) But there's this beautiful thing that we're called into as followers of Jesus called his church. It's not the building. It's us doing life together. And as we become a spiritual family and we walk together, what we're meant to do is encourage each other, challenge each other, call each other out, lift each other up, support each other, walk together, cheer each other on as we chase after Jesus. And there will be times where God will use us to speak to one another. And so there's this beautiful thing that Paul describes here, Colossians 3.16, where he's just kind of like, hey, this is possibly what it could look like as you're doing life together. And so he says this, It says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, 
singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And I, and I love what Paul's doing here. It's almost like Paul's describing the practical application of a bigger theme that he develops throughout other writings in the New Testament. There's like a practical application of a role that we play in each other's lives through the ways that God gifts us by his spirit to build each other up. So that's the idea of spiritual gifts. Like, like when we step into this new life with Jesus and God's spirit comes into our story, we're told that we're gifted in different ways to help walk together and support each other and build each other up. If you'd like to learn more like where the Bible talks about this in the New Testament, check out Romans 12. Check out 1 Corinthians 12. You can read about it a little bit more on your own. When we get on the other side of Easter and we get back in our Roman series, we'll hit Romans 12 at some point and we'll talk about this more as a church. But what we see Paul describing here in Colossians is like, here's like this practical application of what spiritual gifting can look like as we walk together. And here's the premise, is that God gifts us by his spirit in different ways to empower us to build each other which means that there will be times when God will use us to speak to each other. And we can mess that up, we can ignore that, or we can lean in together and grow up into all that he has for us as his church as we seek to do this right and well. And again, my hunch is if you've been walking in church, not just showing up and sitting down, but walking in church with other people, you maybe have experienced this. Like sometimes we experience God speaking to us through others when we're trying to figure something out and we just go to the wise people in our life or in our story. Like I don't know if you have any go-to people, and by that I don't mean people that just tell you what you want to hear, but like go-to people that are like, hey, can you help me figure this out? And sometimes God has just gifted that person with wisdom, but sometimes you're in that conversation and it's like God has something that he's giving them that, he's, that they're sharing with you. Now, you got to learn to discern that, right? Like, we just don't drink the Kool-Aid. We've got to walk that out. We've got to measure it against Scripture and all those things. But that's one of the ways. Sometimes God does it through teachers in the church. So, like, in our context, God has given teachers to us as a church. It's Michael, Dre, and myself as our primary teachers on a weekend service. And, and oftentimes, when I come here and I'm sitting under Michael or Dre's teaching... I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but it's just like you're there, and it's like, whatever you're saying right now, it's like no one else is in the room. This is just for me. And you're like, what is that? And I would just, I would just gently put in front of you that maybe what God is doing is he's speaking to you through one of us. Not because we're great, but because he is. And your job is to figure out, discern, God, what do you want me to do with this? Here's another way then that God just through our broad spiritual community will speak to us through, through things called prophecy and dreams, and visions, and words of knowledge. Like, this is all in the New Testament where we talk about this. It's where we move into more of like that supernatural experience of community together, where, where somebody is given something profound and deep that comes from God, and it's not typically just for us. Though oftentimes God will speak to us through these things for our own edification, but a lot of times it's meant for us to, to use and share with those around us. And so I think as a church, we have to learn to grow into these things with one another so that we can begin to hear God and how he may want to speak to us through others. But we have to learn to do this well, right? Because if we don't do it well, we could do damage and hurt each other if we're not careful. So let me just kind of give a couple of mistakes that we can sometimes make when we're talking about, especially things like God has given me a word of knowledge for someone or a dream or a vision or prophecy and those things. And again, all of that has to be taken to scripture, right? Jesus is our model, scripture is our measure. But sometimes we get in trouble because we may be experiencing the spiritual reality of these things, but we don't have the maturity to know what to do with them well. 
And this is where we can actually do damage to each other because we come in with a hammer when God's like, no, I, I gave you a tool to use for their benefit. I remember experiencing some of this when we were leading our church in Canada, and uh, there was this couple in our church, and it was clear that God had gifted them in this way. Like, they were having dreams and visions, and they were recording them and writing them down, and they would want to meet with me often to just talk with me about these things, and what I discerned as I was talking with them is that this was like, God was really working in their life, because for my role in in being one of the primary leaders of that church, I was aware of things that I knew that we needed to work on and things that God was putting in my heart to lead and discuss, and yet when I would sit down with them, they would do more than just share these things, which were incredibly on point. They would then say, now, Joel, you need to do this and this and this, otherwise you're going to hell. I'm like, wow. Like, I, 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 I think we might be off in your tone and weight in which you're bringing these things. I hope you grow up so you can use these well because it's actually more damaging than helpful in how you're operating in them. I love how J.P. Moreland just kind of captures this idea in a simple guide to experiencing miracles. So he, he talked in this book, if you're here this summer in our apologetic series, if you're doing the life group study this week, you're reading in this chapter from his book on this. But look at how he talks about this. He says, while we should remain balanced, neither skeptical nor gullible, we should not doubt that God speaks in these, we, these ways. With discernment, we should seek the Spirit's guidance. Many believers run around saying all the time that God told me this or that. These people need to calm down and seek wisdom. (laughs) I love that. Others have provided guidelines for dream interpretation, but here's my advice. When you have a dream, pray the words of Psalm 139, 23 to 24. There's this beautiful psalm that David writes where he's speaking about his identity in God and how God knows him and all this stuff. And at the end of it, like David just writes like, would you search me and know my heart? Like, would you test me and know my anxious thoughts? Would you see if there's any offensive way in me? And would you lead me in the way everlasting? Like, what a beautiful way. I just want to put myself under your leadership and ask that you show me things that I need to know. And so if God's giving us the supernatural stuff, like, we just submit that back to him. And so we ask God to make clear the dream's significance and meaning and run it by wise, trustworthy friends or family members. And what a beautiful way, then, to allow God to speak to us maybe for the benefit of another person, but we do it humbly, right? Another mistake that we can sometimes make in this whole arena is that oftentimes what we do is we elevate our desire to have these supernatural experiences from God over the reason God gives them to us in the first place. Meaning like, God, I just want to experience you because it's all about me. And God's like, cool, no, it's not. And if you let me, I will use you in incredible ways for the benefit of the people around you. And the mistake that we make is that we turn this into somehow like our spiritual high, our fix, instead of letting God use us for the benefit of the people around us. Now, don't get me wrong. I want to experience God in my story. Like, I want my faith to be robust. I want it to make sense in my mind. I want it to stand up against stupid TikTok arguments. I want to know that it's trustworthy, that I can build my life on it, and I want to experience the power of God in my life. I want both. But at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's about what God wants to do in me, in a spiritual family, for the benefit of others. And when we get it right, it's a beautiful thing. And I've experienced the beauty of that in my own story. You go back to the year 2013. Some of you know me and my family story enough that, that God called us on this crazy, incredible adventure to go to Canada and lead a church because God has a sense of humor 
Let's take these beach kids and put them in winter and see what happens. But as we were wrestling with this, it was just like, God, is this really you? Because I'm, I'm angsty, I'm concerned. Like, God, I don't know if this is you. Like, like, this is fundamentally changing my life, my daughter's lives. Like, they're going to say A after every sentence. I don't, like, God, what are we doing? And, and I remember after one of the services, as we're just still walking with Rocky Peak and community at that point, we're just hanging out in the room. And after the room, one of the, the, the dear saints in our church, Rosemary, I'm not going to look at you. I know you're in the room right now. You don't want to be named, but... Like God has gifted us with many powerful spiritual people in our church, and Rosemary is one of them. And I just remember Rosemary came up to Christy and I after the service and just said, like, hey, I, just, I, I want to share with you. I feel like God has given me some words to encourage you. And she just gently offered them to us, and she's like, I just feel like as I pray for you, first of all, I'm like, yeah, please keep praying. Because <laughs> like when you pray, demons leave the state. Like God is working through your life. You're a powerful, powerful person for him. She's like, as I pray for you, I just feel like God keeps giving me the words, come away with me, come away with me. And the minute she said it, it was like, are you kidding me? Because at the same time, I'm running, trying to get in shape because I don't know what's going to be required of me in winter. <laughs> and I have this playlist that I'm running to, and I just added a worship song at that time. And the worship song was like kind of sung from the perspective of God was speaking something to you. And the words of the song that just kept speaking to me as I was running were the words, come away with me. And now, Rosemary was 70-something at that time, so I know that she's not secretly running behind me listening into my playlist as I'm running. <laughs> and so I know that what has just happened is that God has spoken to her for us. And it was this beautiful gift offered that gave great encouragement and confidence to trust him to move forward. Because when we get it right, it's beautiful. And so let me just say, if God is giving you these kind of spiritual giftings or giving you these kinds of experiences, be grateful, be humble, be gentle in how you share them and look for mentors to help you grow in them because we need each other on the journey. Because oftentimes the way that God will speak to us is through one another. So here's another way then that God will oftentimes speak to us externally. And that is through our circumstances. Like have you ever wanted to hear clearly from God to help you figure something out in your life? Like maybe you're like, okay, should I move or should I stay? Right, I'm trying to figure that out. Or, hey, should I keep pursuing relationship with this person or should I end it? Don't look at him right now, but I'm just asking, have you ever wondered that, right? Uh, hey, after I'm done with high school, should I go to college or do a rumspringer or like what should I do, right? Or later in life, should I go back to school or not? Like, am I the only one who gets angsty about that? Like trying to get clarified. And here's the danger with this. If we're, if we're like getting too angsty and we're not like walking with God in this moment, we can fall into some dangerous extremes. The one extreme that we can fall into is that we fall into like what I would just call paralysis by analysis. Right? I'm just trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. Is that an open door? Is that a closed door? I don't know. And behind every closed door is an open window. So, like, what? Like, and you just, you're stuck. You're trying to figure it out. And you're like, I don't know. And God, you're not clear. And I don't understand. And so I'm just going to not do anything. The other extreme is that we're over here trying to make sense of what we're supposed to do. And so we're like, God, help me. But then we fall into, like, just really bad confirmation bias. Everything that we encounter becomes affirmation of what we're supposed to do. 
right? So I'm just like, God, I don't know. And so I'm like hanging out and all of a sudden I see three birds fly by. <laughs> Father, Son, Holy Spirit. <laughs> I guess I'm supposed to, right? Like, and so like, we're just like, what is going on? And, and if we're not careful, we can do damage to our own journey because we may do something that wasn't from God that we thought and then it causes us to question God. Dallas Willard, whose book we're reading, Hearing God as we go through the study, he speaks about this. Look at what he says. He says, our need for understanding is clearly very great. We are all too familiar with the painful confusion of individuals who make huge efforts to determine God's will for themselves. People who are frequently very sincere and devout. And we see them make dreadful errors by following a whim or chance event that because of their desperation, they force to serve as a sign from God. And we see them sink into despair, skepticism, even cynicism. You see, I, I think when we talk about this idea of circumstance, learning to hear from God in our circumstances is so much more than simply trying to figure out what to do. Because if that's all we're after, what we're actually doing is we're just treating God like, like a magic eight ball, right? Hey God, like should I do this or that? Uh-uh. You're not clear, what am I supposed to do? I think what we're saying in those moments is, God, I want the roadmap. And I think what God would want to say back is, yeah, but I want relationship. I want something with you in our relationship that's more than just about what are you supposed to do. Because I think when we're talking about like learning to hear God in the midst of our circumstances, it's much more about learning how to dance with God than to get absolute clarity about what's next from God. There's this proverb Proverbs 16, 9, that kind of speaks to this dynamic. And depending on the season of life I'm in, I really like it or I really don't. <laughs> and this is what Proverbs 16, 9 says. It says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Do you have plans for your life? I have plans for my life, but apparently God establishes those. So I read this proverb, and I'm like, uh, so who does it? Like, is it you, God, or is it me? And what if the answer is yes? Because somehow as I'm going through life, learning to listen and follow you, you're also at work in my story, shaping me and who I am. See, maybe it is much more like a dance. And if that's the case, then maybe God is far more interested in who you are and who you are becoming in the circumstance than he is about giving you magic eight ball clarity about the circumstance. Because one of the worst things that God could actually do for us is get us to the quote unquote right place and we haven't become the right person. You're not prepared for that. You haven't been transformed, you haven't grown for what he has for you. One of my favorite stories or instances of this that we see in the scriptures is the story of the life of Joseph. Uh, right now, um, our, our singles ministry, Rocky Peak Singles Ministry, quick commercial break. We have a singles ministry for adults of all ages. We meet on the first Friday of every month. I see some of you out there. They're my family, my friends. And right now, we're just working our way through the Joseph story and how does that connect to our life today. But one of the things I love that you see in the Joseph story is that when you first meet Joseph, he's like just a punk teenager who, ha- who lacks all sorts of wisdom and maturity in his life. 
And yet he's very much aware that God's putting dreams and something on his life, and yet he doesn't know what to do with it. So he goes and he shares it with his older brothers whom he doesn't have a good relationship with, and their response is, let's kill him. <laughs> so you're like, Joseph, you don't have a clue how to handle the things that God wants for you. But then you look, if you know a story, things go crazy fast. And the circumstances, Joseph doesn't know what's going, but it just goes from bad to worse every time. But God is with him every step of the way. So then you get to like the, the ending part of the story where God has done something. Joseph and God have danced together so much in this time that God's now, hey, Joseph, now I'm going to give you all of Egypt to be in charge of. And the Joseph we meet in that moment is not the punk kid we met at the start. This is a humble, faithful, trustworthy man who knows how to forgive the family that wronged him. Because God's goal was Egypt, but his main goal was Joseph's transformation and getting him there. And so maybe for us, as we're trying to hear God in the circumstance, it's less about clarity on what, as it is about God, what are you doing with me and in me in the midst of it? And how do I walk that out with you? And so let me just give you, like, this, this is free, this isn't on your notes, like, just three quick thoughts on how to grow in hearing God through your circumstances as you're just trying to, to walk this out. But as you're trying to make sense, like, God, where are you at? What should I do? I would just say a very practical thing is ask people you trust as you're trying to figure that out. Like, lean back into the other category of others. And by people you trust, I mean not just those who will say what you want to hear. Like one of the signs that you're actually maturing is when people will tell you, the people you trust will tell you what you don't want to hear and you go with that because you believe that God's working in your life through them. So ask people you trust. Uh, a second one would be this. In the absence of clarity on something, move forward with purpose and open hands. What I mean by that is like it's okay to say, God, I don't know if this is an area of freedom that you're giving me or if you have an exact choice that you want me to make, but because I don't know, I'm going to move forward in this direction, but I'm giving you permission every step of the way to change my course, but I'm open to that. I'm having like this kind of a conversation with my oldest daughter. She's 18 years old, and she's like, Dad, I, just, I don't know. I'm graduating high school this year. I don't know the plan for my life. I don't know what's supposed to happen, and I just smile, and I'm like, it's because you're 18. And it's okay. And someday God might show you exactly what that is, but until then, be faithful with what you're doing right now. And just walk with your hands open to what he wants to do. And someday you'll look back and you're like, oh, this is what he was up to. And that's okay. That's how he oftentimes leads. It's not to say that God sometimes won't show us that, because sometimes he will. That's his prerogative. But don't get hung up on that if he doesn't. And then the third thing I would do is just keep a record as you go through life and you see how God has moved in your story a record that you could look back on because sometimes God works in patterns in our life. Like so for me, there's been moments in my life where huge pivotal decisions and, and transitions have happened in co coinciding with a friend of mine named Dennis who has just shown up in my life in those moments. I don't know why that's the case. Like when Dennis and I get to heaven, I'm gonna be like, why did God always do that? Like when you showed up, it meant something amazing was gonna happen in my story, but somehow that's been the case for like three decades. That's part of the reason we knew it was time to leave Canada is like Dennis reached out to me after five or six years of no contact and I'm like, God, this is the pattern. What are you doing? <laughs> now we had to learn to discern what that was. Like don't turn this into a formula. Anytime you turn God into a formula, he's like, nope. <laughs> but like you just kind of, but sometimes you, like, you do see a pattern in which God is working and you can lean into that and pray about that. But remember, this is always, always so much more like a dance. We have plans, he directs our steps, and we're letting him work with us in it. 
And so here's just some ways that God oftentimes speaks. Friends, God speaks. Are we learning to listen? Are we willing to lean in and let him surprise us even in our own stories in ways that he may want to work in our life? Are we, are we turning the dial to try and tune in to the frequency that he wants to move in our life? And yet sometimes they're static, right? Sometimes it's like, God, I, I'm twisting the knob and all I'm picking up is static. And so what do we do in those moments? Let me just give you some quick thoughts to consider. Like if you're picking up static on the line, it's possible that something is coming in between you and God in, in some way. And so maybe there's just some distractions in your life that are getting in the way. And what I would encourage you to do in that moment is just invite God to show you what that is and be willing to give those to him. Sometimes not even bad things, but sometimes like we just make other things more important than him. But sometimes it has much more to do with our posture towards God. And we're getting static on the line because we're actually being dismissive of his voice. We're acting like teenagers, <laughs> and we don't want to hear what our Father has to tell us instead of saying, no, you're God, you're good, I'll trust you. Sometimes it's heavier than that. Sometimes there's, there's a posture in our life where we're actually living in defiance to what God wants from us. And if that's the case, then it's all about surrender and coming back to him and inviting him to move and speak again. But I would just encourage you, if you're getting some static on the line, ask God to show you what's going on and invite him to move in your story. Because learning to hear from God, it takes practice, it takes time, it's learning about how to posture yourself so that he can work, but it's something we can learn to do as we lean in and walk with him. And so as we wrap up this teaching, I, I wanna create some space to practice this. So this past January, I was hanging out with our 2535 ministry commercial. If you're single ages 25 to 35, <laughs> there's a ministry that meets here every fourth Friday of the month. And so I was hanging out in that working with our, our, our pastor who's just taking the reins of that, Andy Otis. And he was doing this beautiful teaching on Sabbath and rest and how do we posture ourselves to experience what God wants. And at the end of that teaching, he just led us into this very beautiful exercise that as he was doing it, I was like, this was such a gift. How can we share it with our church? And so we're going to share it with you. I'm going to invite Andy, come on out, and he's going to lead us in this moment. And so, yeah, give Andy some love. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so this is Andy Otis. He's one of our life group directors. He's taken the reins of our 2535 ministries, our pastor of that. And so, Andy, maybe just quickly explain what that was that you led us through that we're going to go into. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's just a quick five-minute spiritual exercise that is really helpful and beneficial for me. Like, we've been learning throughout this series that God wires each of us individually how and he speaks to us in different ways because of that. And so for me, this is incredibly beneficial. No matter how stressful or chaotic my day is, it's just a way where I get to be with Jesus and meditate on his word and come to a place of, of peace and rest. And so our prayer is that for some of you, it will do that. Uh, and for others, others of you, you may not be wired this way. And that's okay. Just don't force anything. Uh, just let the spirit lead as we go into it. Right. So, Sounds good. Yeah. So we're just going to create some space. So Andy's going to lead us in that. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm just going to read a couple verses from Psalm 23, but before we do, let's just go ahead and pray. God, you've asked us to meditate on your word. And I pray that as we go to do that right now, that you would be 
allowing us to see things the way you describe them in your written word. And so as I read this, uh, you can close your eyes, get comfortable, whatever it is, uh, and just try to picture the imagery that's in this verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. So just try to picture yourself in that setting green pastures, quiet waters. And in that setting, just say, Jesus, show me where you are. Just in your mind, say, Jesus, show me where you are. And I'm going to just give you a couple minutes to just be with him. Talk to him. Let him lead you down those paths. Let him refresh your soul. And I'll come out and close this out in prayer in a couple minutes.
God, whatever it is that you're doing in this room, we just thank you for it. Thank you that you're always near to us. Your promise is that you're always with us. And at any point in the day, we can just be with you. If we just turn our eyes, we fix our eyes on you. And for those of us that this is beneficial, God, I just pray that you would use these moments to bring moments of healing and freedom and restoration. And for those that aren't wired this way, that we wouldn't be discouraged, that we would be reminded of the ways that you do speak to us, that we would, each of us would dive into the ways that you have called us and the way you've wired us, that we might be able to hear from you. So that we would grow and be a force for your kingdom in this world. That we would be a city on a hill, shining bright for all to see. For your honor, your glory, and your praise forever and ever. Amen.